this week, the first core value that I want to talk about is walk in truth. Okay, walk in truth. So we, uh, as a church, as a core value, we say we want to walk in truth. And even more than say, we want to do that. Uh, now, when we say walk in truth, the first question, obviously, is, well, well what do you define as truth? What does truth really mean? Because, Steve, it's it, out there. I hear all these competing things. Uh, I'll, I'll hear, in fact, from churches, I'll hear that this is true. Uh, and then I'll hear this is true, but they're competing against each other. Uh, so what, what is truth? Well, I'm glad you asked. In John 14, 6, Jesus says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is Jesus saying, I am the way. I am the truth. So Jesus says, I am truth. So when we say something is the truth, uh, it has to align with his character, his nature, his will, and his words. Okay, so that defines what truth is. As Jesus, before he is crucified, is standing before Pilate, um, and, and, and he's standing on trial there. In John 18, 37, Jesus says to Pilate, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And so, and so this means that, that his words are truth. Now, what are God's words? What are God's words? Okay, the Bible. This is the mouthpiece of God. And so, and so when we talk about truth, uh, we can't just talk about truth like, like that. We've got to tr talk about truth from his word. So what does uh, his word say? What does his word do? Well, in John chapter 17, verse 17, uh, Jesus says this, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So God's word is truth. It's timeless. It's good yesterday, today, forever. It is relevant for what we're walking through. We see in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through chapter 4, verse 2, um, it says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is uh, to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And then lastly, in Hebrews 4.12, which, which you've probably heard uh, me say this verse numerous times if you've been coming for a while, it says, For the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So, so what we've seen here, this, this is what God's Word does. These verses clearly communicate the power of truth, the power of God's words. God spoke this into existence, and His Word, what we saw in John 17, 17, His Word sanctifies us. Now, what does that mean? Well, sanctification is the process of becoming more like, more like Jesus, right? So, so when we think about like, like that moment, we first understand our need for a relationship with Christ, and we go, I am going to receive this free gift of salvation, and we go on this journey of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, there is a process, right? Of, of where you were to where you're headed, that process uh, of where you were to, to Christ is that process of sanctification. And God's word will sanctify you. In other words, God's word will take you on that journey. It will help you. 
We see that it teaches, it said. It teaches us. So, so it helps to, to, to teach us when there's something we don't know, when there's something we see, we're seeking out. Uh, we read that it reproofs or, or reprimands uh, or corrects us, okay? Now, I always say when we look at that, because I think for some of us, when we read that, we go, ah, oh, there it is. Because maybe historically, you have had the Bible just... You've been beaten with the Bible by people. They throw verses, but those verses are like grenades that they're trying to launch at you. And, 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 and so some of us, when we see verses like that, we kind of like go, oh, man. But the reality is this. God loves us enough that he does correct us. Okay, so that's an act of love. It's an act of love for him to say, stop doing that. It's an act of love for him to say, you're wrong. Um, and, and, and so he lovingly corrects us, right? He loves you enough to tell you what you're doing isn't right, what you're doing isn't good for you, what you're doing isn't alignment with my will for you. Okay, so he does that. And, and, and then we say, we see that he trains us in righteousness. So he doesn't just say, this is so, I love this part. He doesn't just say, don't do this or you're wrong. He says, let me help you out of it. Let me train you in what it looks like to do things in a righteous, God-honoring way. Okay, so, because uh, many times we've had, whether it's a teacher or a coach or, or someone in our life, they were very clear, you're wrong, that's not the right way to do it, and they, and they just left it at that. They didn't help us, like, learn, okay, so what is the right way to do this? The Bible will train us, uh, it says, in righteousness. Now, why? It says what? So that we may be complete equipped for every good work. He wants to train you up so that you are prepared and equipped to handle whatever he leads you into. Man, there's so much peace in that. There's so much peace in knowing that, that as I take this serious, as I, as I learn this, as I read this, as, as I grow in my understanding of him, he's going to take me on this journey with the mindset of, I'm going to prepare you, Steve, for what I'm going to call you to do. This is going to equip you. So, so, so even in things that, that happen, that catch you off guard, you're going to be prepared and ready because I've already been training you to walk through that. We see that, that, that his word is alive, it's active, it's able to get to the core of who you are in order to bring lasting change. Uh, you guys, I, I mean, you think about in our culture, man, it's really hard to really figure people out, isn't it? I mean, you're like, man, who really are you? You see this version of them at work, you hang out with them, you see a different version, uh, you see the, then this, this social media version of them, and you go, man, who... Who are you? And so we're trying to, to always get to the core of, 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 of who this person actually is. Um, and you guys, like nothing else, God's word will get to the core of who you are. It just will. You know, it, it, it talked about how we're called to preach truth. In other words, our mouths and our actions should communicate truth in season and out of season. Man, there, there's just certain seasons, you guys, that are easier than others. Amen? I mean, I was just thinking about how, like, preaching truth in season and out of season, and I was just rewinding, like, seven months to where we're preparing to do Easter at Matthew Knight Arena. <laughs> and I go, man, that was so exciting. All these things were happening, and everything was just, whoa, this is crazy. We are just trying to keep up. And then now, and it's like, I love speaking to a half-empty room. It's so rewarding, God. 
and there's limitations on everything. And do you? And, and, and I was just thinking about how, like, how we're called to take the same approach in season and out of season. And so, guys, like, like you look at your own lives, and there's just, there's certain times it's easier. There's certain times it's easier to get out of bed. There's certain times that work is easier. There's certain times that your relationships, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your family, is just a little easier, right? Those are those, are those in-season times, but then, man, you hit a season where it's just difficult. Everywhere you turn, it's difficult. And what he's saying here is God's word, God's truth is timely, it's important, it will get you through, and you need to make it a priority, whether it's easy, uh, whether it's just flowing, or whether you're fighting it, whether it's tough, whether it's difficult, whether you have to go into a room that's capped at 100 and engage with him with distractions. Like that's just, that's just what it is, you guys. And so, so we make that decision, but we know that we're called to do that either way. This is why also we need to walk in truth. Okay, so this is why it's a priority. When you think of all that God's word does, the truth, how it takes us through, it equips us, um, it, 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 it literally brings us on this journey that, that we're desiring. Uh, it gets to the core of who we are. And so we need to walk in truth. I love how it says in Proverbs 23, 23, it says, buy truth. In other words, like purchase it. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. So we need to just like, like pursue truth, cling to truth, embrace truth, because when we do that, we're choosing to allow the truth of God's word to transform our lives. By me embracing it and receiving truth is me taking the posture of, God, I want you to change me. And that only happens when I'm in this place where I'm ready to receive that truth. Guys, this is difficult. I'll just be honest. This is difficult because when you take a posture of God, I'm going to open up your word and, and, and whatever you want to reveal, whatever you want to do, I'm willing to accept that. Or even walk into a church and go, okay, he's going to preach God's word. God, whatever your word tells me today, as a result of this sermon and this time with you, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. That's actually really difficult. You know why? Because what we see uh, when, when, we're, when we welcome that process is we're going to see things we don't want to see in us. We're going to see some things that we don't like about us. We're going to see some areas that, that, that maybe we're off in or wrong in or have, have this opinion that doesn't align with, with what he wants. And so, you guys, it's, it's difficult. Like, like, there's times it's like, ah, oh, I don't really, ah, oh, I didn't want to see that. I did not want to know that my heart is wrong right now. And, and, and so that's, that's tough. But, you guys, like, man, this morning before I came here, I got in front of the mirror, just like I do every day. And... It has yet to happen. Maybe it will at some point. But I have yet to get in front of the mirror and just go, God, perfection. You've done it. Finally. That's just never happened. Now, I've had better days than others. I've had days where I'm like, man, God, my hair is doing what you designed it to be as of creation before the fall. God, my, like the way these clothes are fitting, God, you did this, right? So there's moments where we acknowledge that, but there's also every single time there's things in all of us that you just see that are a reminder that you're not perfect, that you're not flawless, right? Every single time. I've never walked away going, I'm perfect. 
But guess what? I still daily, and more, more than even daily, right? I get in front of the mirror. Why do I do that? Why do I put myself through that? Because I want to look my best. I want to improve on things and, 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 and all of those things. You guys, you want to open truth. You want to receive truth. You want to see, you want to see it and, and, and you want to know what's actually there, you guys, because that's the only way you can grow and look more like Jesus. That's the only way you can, you can deal with some of these blind spots. We all have blind spots, every single one of us. And guess what? You, your friends may not, be, may not be the solution. Even your family may not be the solution. But God's word, like nothing else, gets to the core of your being and reveals what's truth. We need to receive God's word because it reveals not only God's best for you, but also anything in your life that could be holding you back from God's best. And sometimes God's mouthpiece is going to be another Jesus follower. That's important, but that's also, that's also not an invitation. Okay, now what I mean by that is this. There's been a lot of damage from people saying, you need to hear what I'm having to to say because this is from God, okay? There's been, in fact, a lot of you in this room, I think, have experienced wounds uh, from that. I've experienced, in my life, confusion from somebody coming and saying that to me. And, 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 and that doesn't mean that God's not going to lead someone to, to deliver truth to you, though. And that's what's important as well because all throughout the Bible, you see not only God's word, but you see people that God moves and he inspires through the Holy Spirit to speak truth uh, and, and, and to deliver it in a way that either a people group or an individual will listen and respond to it. And so here's the reality, you guys. God may use somebody else to deliver the truth. And sometimes it may come from someone you don't even like. It may even come in the way that's unhealthy and not good, okay? Let's just be honest. There are times, you guys, when God has delivered truth to me from somebody who I didn't like their tone, I felt like their heart was off, but even in that, I try to always, whether it's an email, a conversation, a text, I try and even when it gets me upset, I try and go, God, is there any truth here that I need to be aware of? Is there anything that I'm missing? God, I don't like this. I don't like what's being said here. I don't even think it reflects you. But God, I also don't want to miss if there's some meat here that I shouldn't be spitting out with the bones. And so, and so you just need to understand sometimes God is going to use other people to speak truth into your life. And we want to be receptive to that. Okay, um, Walking in truth means that we, as a byproduct, are going to grow in our understanding of truth. Okay, this is important. Um, in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Okay, so if we don't learn uh, it, if we, if, if, if we don't grow in it, how are we going to know how and when to apply it? How are we going to understand what it's saying? How do we implement it into our lives correctly? And, and then ultimately, how do we even discern the will of God? How do we even discern what is truth, what's not truth, if we're not growing in our understanding of this? Because if you're not growing in your understanding of this, you're getting somebody else's version of truth. 
That's scary. That's scary, right? And because here's the thing that I've seen all throughout my time in ministry is people change. So if you're glued to truth being with somebody else, you're ebbing and flowing and changing with them. That's a dangerous game to play. We need to be glued to this, growing in our knowledge of this, because this is timeless. It's unchanging. It's the character of God. It's the nature of God. It's the will of God. And, 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 and so you can always be rest assured in this, that as you grow, it's going to give you his truth, his design, his best for your life. And you need that for these decisions, these, these, these choices. Um, and, and, and even like, man, how do I apply your, apply your word, God? See, the truth of God's word should always be the thing that stands above every thought, every desire, every opinion. In other words, when, when I have a major decision or a thought, I should always have that thought or decision stand before God's word. And if it does not align with God's word, it has no business being in my heart. It has no business being something I'm dwelling on. And it has no, um, it should, it should not have this strong emphasis on my decision making because I don't even know if it's of God. And so we have to be careful with that. Some of us right now are consumed with things in our minds and we don't even know if it's true or not. We don't even know if it's of God. It has no business being taking center stage in your heart and your mind. Walking in truth changes also how we deal with each other. Okay, in Zechariah 8.16, Old Testament, we see uh, the people and they're rebuilding the temple. And they've come back and they're, and they're, and they're trying to like re-emphasize these values that are so critical uh, that, that, are, that are literally that are righteous in nature. And in Zechariah 8.16, it says this. It says, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. So this is what you're going to do, people. You are going to speak truth to each other. In 1 John 3, 18 and 19, it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. So we have to make a decision here and, and we have to respond. If we're going to walk in truth, that is going to lead us into dealing with each other in a truthful way. You guys, that's, that's huge. And, 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 I, and I would say this. It's even more countercultural because right now, and I would say even within church settings, we are so passive aggressive. We are so, uh, we put this facade up that's not real, that's not actually reflecting where we're at. It, it doesn't even reflect who we really are. And we've, we've become so caught up in that. And, and what we're saying here by walking in truth as a church here at Ecclesia, when you're a part of this, is we are going to be authentic, transparent, and we're going to be honest with each other. That's an agreement we're going to make. I was reading this quote from uh, this leadership, this, uh, this expert in leadership, and, and he said this, be authentic. People don't want a leader who's always right. They want a leader who's always real. 
When you think about those people in your life, you don't want your, your, your closest group of friends, those influencers in your life, you're not looking for someone that just knows everything. You're looking for somebody that's real. In other words, they're honest. They're truthful. They're, they're, they're transparent with you. They bring that dynamic to the group so that you know when, when you're going through a struggle, when you're in a difficult situation, you are going to be operating in truth. And, and, and it's going to be real. It's going to reflect your heart. It's going to reflect their heart. That's a powerful thing that, that, that should be a part of the church, especially when we think about the reality that, that, that when we're honest, that's the place where God wants to meet us. You've got to be honest with where you're at and where you're not at in your walk with Jesus. You guys, like, like when you think about being truthful with other people, you, you cannot be truthful with other people if you haven't been truthful with yourself. And so we have to make a decision that we're going to deal with us first. In 1 John um, 1, 6 through 10, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, we needed that. Amen. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So we have to be truthful. We have to be honest first and foremost with ourselves, where you're at, where you're not at, because we're seeing people are craving authenticity, and you can't be authentic and truthful with other people if you're pretending to be something you're not. So you can't do that individually in your life. We can't do that collectively as a church. And we pray that that is not at all the culture of this place. We pray that people come in here and they know that, that, that they can be truthful with where they're at. They know that other people are going to be real and honest, transparent, and truthful with them. And that in that, in that, in that we can have this place, this safe place where we can engage with God, knowing that where you're at is different than where I'm at. And we're all in this process, and, and maybe we're more confused than others, but we can at least know that we can be here and be honest. Man, Jesus was so great at getting to the place where people were honest. He wants to meet you in that. There's power in that. The next core value is proclaim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, um, Jesus is, is about to ascend up to heaven. He's with his disciples. This is called the Great Commission. And, and he says this to them right before he's about to leave. He says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he says, go into all the world, make disciples. He says, make disciples. Now, how do you get disciples? Well, discipleship or or someone desiring to be a disciple of Jesus, that comes by hearing and responding to the good news. 
Okay, so, so I choose to be a disciple after I receive the free gift of salvation and I go, I'm all in with you, God. I am now, I give you my life. I surrender my will to you and, and I am now going to follow Jesus. I'm gonna pursue you. You are, I'm declaring you Lord and Savior of my life. So, so by my response to the gospel, I now go onto this discipleship process as a follower of Jesus and, 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 and he says, go into all the world, make disciples. Well, for someone to become a disciple, they have to hear the good news. Like, they have to hear it. Like, it's because of my response to the gospel that I desire to follow him. Now, what is the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Paul says this very clearly to the, to the church at Corinth. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. So Jesus went to the cross for your sins. Your past, your present, your future sins. In accordance with the scriptures, in accordance with what was foretold. That he was buried. So he, buried, he, he gave up his life for you and for me, for those very sins. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He had victory. Resurrection over sin and death. That same victory that he now invites us into. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. And it's because of this good news we follow him. And we as a church urgently desire to proclaim the good news, the gospel, to as many people in as many ways as God gives us the opportunity. And that's a heartbeat, I pray, of, of, of what we desire to do. And part of this is understanding and knowing that all of us in this room are sent. We are all sent. In Romans 10, 14 and 15, it says... How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then Jesus, praying to his Father, says, as you said, in John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. In other words, I didn't take them out of the world. I've sent them into the world. I've sent them out. And then he says this in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. He said this. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we have the good news, the saving message of Jesus that wants to save you from all your, 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 your past your present circumstances, these sins, these, these addictions, these things that have just run, ran rampant in your life. He saves you from that. He saves you in spite of that. And then we see that we are sent. We are sent out now to proclaim, to be image bearers of Jesus and to proclaim the good news that people desperately need. We are called to be lights in the darkness. Jesus said, like, I, I, I've sent them. Just as I've been sent, I sent them. And then, man, we get really to that place of conviction that I feel where he says, the harvest is what? Is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Oh, that's, that's tough. That's tough to hear. The harvest is plentiful. It's ready. Wait, wait, who's the Lord of the harvest? Uh, God is. So God says, it's ripe. It's ready. And he says, that, that, that's prepared, but the laborers are few. Those that are actually going to take the good news are few. Those that are actually going to embrace the mission that he's called us to, that's few. 
Man, we don't want to be the few. Or, no. <laughs> we don't want to reach any. No. We want to be the few. I pray that this church is made up of all the few. That we are the ones that are going out. Now, now listen, this does not mean you're the loudest. Okay, this doesn't mean that, that, that you're the one like, like on the corner with a little packet that, that, that was sound, amplified sound. Okay, that's not what, that's not what this is saying here, okay? Um, what this is saying is this. You have been uniquely gifted, uniquely called to go uh, to the unique place that God has called you to be, whether that's in your dorm, whether that's with roommates, whether that's at school with your team, uh, whether that is in your job, whether that's your family, whether that's your kids, whether that's your parents, your grandparents, um, in whatever setting he has called you to. And what's crazy is that continuously changes. I mean, if you're a student in this room, every term, you've got a whole brand new set of people around you. Um, and some of you in your job, it's changed a lot during the season and there's new people some of you have moved you have completely new neighbors all these things have happened around us and what this is saying is we're going to be the ones that go God we're going to embrace this mission that we are sent to where we're at and we're going to share the good news through our life through our actions we're going to share about the hope that lies within us you guys you have a special testimony I don't care if your testimony is like you were on a bridge, you jumped, and for whatever reason, you didn't die, and now you came to Jesus. Like, that's a powerful testimony. That's pretty incredible, right? But, but there's also testimonies of people that they grew up in a Christian home, and their parents were loving, took them to church, and at some point, they just went, man, this is real. I'm going to make it real for me. Both of those testimonies are necessary because we got people that, that are in all those different places in their journey with Jesus. And so we need to hear your story. People need to hear your story. God has strategically placed people in your life that should hear your story. And so we're going we're gonna, to, as a church, we are going to share his story we're going we're gonna to be a church that, that is on mission. We're going we're gonna to send. We're going we're gonna to continue to promote you living this, you, you inviting people, having this missional mindset. The gospel should be presented consistently here at Ecclesia. It should be presented consistently in your life through your words, through your actions. I mean, and, and this has to be part of our culture. As staff, let me tell you right now, as staff, we talk about this all the time. How are we taking the gospel? How are we reaching people? How can we become more effective at that? That is so important. And you should be asking the same question. The gospel never changes, but we must be intentional to present it according to the context God has placed us in. Okay, we have to contextualize the message to who we're sharing it with. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, Paul is speaking here to the church at Corinth, and he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law I became as one outside of the law. Now he's not talking like, hey, if they murdered, I murdered. If they robbed, I robbed. It was great. No, he's saying not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it 
all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So Paul is saying, whatever it takes, short of sin, I am, I, I am there to, to, to lead people, to walk with them through what the gospel is. I want to share about the hope that lies within them. And, and he says, I didn't just share the same thing over and over and over again. I didn't go, hey, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. No, 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 no. He contextualized it. Okay, he said, listen, I adapted. The gospel didn't change, but I adapted in my approach and how I delivered it. Okay, we see in, in Acts chapter 17, he goes into the city of Athens, and as he goes into Athens, he's observing. In the, in the New Testament, when you see the church explode, they, they would go in as they're taking the gospel into these people groups. They would go in and observe and, 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 and see the culture. They would learn the culture, and then they would contextualize and go, how can I be a bridge to this culture with the gospel? And Paul, in Athens, in Acts 6, 17, he goes, man, these people love to worship gods. Like, they're, they're worshiping all these different gods. And, and so in the streets, he starts, he starts preaching the gospel. And, 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 so, and, 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 their, and their main crowd of thinkers goes, wait, who is this guy? Let's bring him before us. And Paul is standing before them, and, and he's with this group of all their thinkers and, 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 and their wise individuals who knew all the things that there are to know about gods. And he gets up, and you know what he does? He probably does something that we criticize him for, to be honest. He goes, hey, you guys are really religious. Yeah, idolatry. He says, you guys are really religious. He goes, man, I, I, was, I was walking around and I noticed this altar and on it was an inscription to an unknown God. Guess what? I found him. Hey, huh? He spoke the language. He, 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 he. He spoke to where they were at, to where their thinking was at, and he learned, and he, and he saw this bridge, opportunity to be a bridge, and, and, and so then, and then they listened, and it says even after that interaction, not only did they invite him back, but people responded in that moment to what he said. You guys, he contextualized the message to where he was at. You guys, hear me very clearly. The gospel is, is consistent. The gospel is unchanging, but how you deliver it, how you reach people, how you minister to people, you have to take that before the Holy Spirit and go, man, how do, God, how do you want me to connect the truth of who you are to these people, to this person? Because guess what? As you look at the people in your life, you've got all different kinds of people, I pray, in your life, and guess what? You don't, in any other interaction, you don't say the same thing to all of them. No, you learn how to connect to each of them, and then you go, God, use me and direct me in how you want to communicate the truth of who you are to them, in a way where, God, I actually get out of the way and let you be loud and clear. Because here's the thing, you guys, I just see more and more where, where we just have what we say, what we want to say, and we're waiting for an opportunity to pounce, and we're not taking a moment to be like, man, God, what do you want to say? I was presenting the gospel at this church and uh, this church in California. And, and I remember I, they, they brought me in. They said, we want you to preach the gospel at the end, do this big altar call. And I remember I'm halfway through it. And, and God just very clearly was like, do you want to lead this or do you want me to lead this? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm doing what I do. I'm doing the same thing I do. And he's like, let me lead in this. 
Because at the end of the day, it's not you that saves anybody. It's him. You can't change someone's heart, but the Holy Spirit can. And so in that moment, he reminded me, Steve, let me do what I want to do through you. You get out of the way. You, you pray in accord with my will, not yours. And he changed that whole moment, that whole message. You guys, we got to listen. Because if we're not careful, we actually find ourselves getting in the way of the message. And I, man, I'm, I'm so thankful that I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel into so many different unique places. Um, from, man, I, I, I think of just youth camps to recovery centers to, to prison. I wasn't incarcerated, but I spoke in the prison. To, to, to all these different settings, to these different countries, and, 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 and just totally different settings. And, and I look at it, and I go, man, like, I didn't, I didn't do, like, I didn't speak to all of them like they were the same. I didn't. Like, I remember speaking to a room of these fresh-faced 18-year-old boys who are all Marines. I'm on a base, and, and, and literally, they're all about to be deployed. That was probably the most tentative or, or the, the most attentive audience I've ever had. They were very aware of their need for God. And I remember in that setting, and I remember God like, how do you want me to communicate to these guys? I can't relate at all. I'm not about to be deployed. I'm not young like that. Like, like God, what do you want said? Uh, you know, in a, in a recovery center. Man, I just ran into somebody uh, at a wedding I did a couple weeks ago, and they had a son who was in a recovery center in San Diego where I presented the gospel. It's crazy. And I think about all these different places, and, and, and the thing that is common um, is the gospel, but the second thing that has to be, well, common or uncommon, is that you are adaptable to how God wants you to use his message to reach them. And so we have to be open to, to how he wants to use us. And that's what we see throughout Scripture. You guys, Jesus, was, was, he adapted to each of the people he interacted with, even to his inner circle. You see Paul, you see these incredible people, and how they took the gospel and how they contextualize it uh, to the people. We should be asking God every time, what's the best way to reach these people? Not just saying what I want to say. When you look at the different areas of your life, you should be asking by how I act and what I say, am I building a wall or am I building a bridge for the gospel? That's, that's so important. This isn't, are you perfect? This is, are you building a bridge so that people are more going, man, tell me more, or are people like, no, 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 I by how you act, I see a disconnect with what you say. All I see is, is you shooting this off. I don't, I don't see any grace in you. I don't see any love. I don't, and, 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 and so am I looking to build a bridge or am I looking to say, no, let's wall this thing up as to who is eligible to receive this? And we have to continue to evaluate that, you guys. And I would say this, like now more than ever, because of social distancing, because of isolation, uh, because now most of what you're sharing, a lot of the time it's through uh, a laptop, through your phone, um, is social media. And so you, you should be continually asking, is my social media building a bridge to the gospel or is it creating a wall? We have to ask that. I want to close with these two questions. Whose truth are you walking in right now? Who's defining the truth? And if it's not God, I want to encourage you 
to make God that priority, to make him the source of truth for you? Who's defining, who's dictating the decisions, the direction of your life right now? And if you go, man, Steve, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't even know really what this fully means. Here's what I want to encourage you. Right over at the tent, if you're online, DM us or, or email us. At the tent, right over there is a sign-up that you can sign up and get discipled. We have mentors of all ages, men and women, who would love to disciple you. And disciple, discipleship is literally uh, meeting with an individual who is going to walk with you through how you follow Jesus, how you grow in that understanding. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know or you have more questions than answers and, and you've heard all these different things and you go, man, I want, to, I want help, go sign up over there, please. We want to help you with that. And then the, the last question I have before our time is done is, how is the gospel being proclaimed in your life? How? Because this leads, when, when, when I'm asking that question, how is God using me to take his message out? What this does is this leads me into situations, into relationships and conversations with people who need the good news. Guys, if you're not connecting with anybody that needs the good news, what are we doing? I mean, you're building a fortress for you and people that are like you to operate in. Uh-uh. Nope. This cannot be a fortress. In fact, God was very clear. Steve, you tear down every click you see. We want to reach. You got to ask yourself in your life, are you being drawn into conversations, into interactions? Are there, are, are there people you're avoiding that you need to be approaching? I mean, I was convicted of this actually this morning in the first gathering. I, I was 100% I was, I was convicted of my own message. That, that always stinks. I went and sat down during worship, and God was like, all right, Steve, here you go. And you know what it was? I was in the ER this, this uh, Thursday night with my youngest, and we're in the ER. He's okay, but um, anyway, we're in the ER, and, and, and I mean, it was like three hours. Now, a two-year-old in three hours is painful. It was painful. Um, and, and as I was sitting there, and as I sat down in that seat, not to highlight you guys over there, but that's where I sat during the worship, I literally smelled in my mask another person. Weird. The things you say in 2020. And, and the person I smelled was the person who sat like three chairs away from me. And what that smell brought to my mind was the fact that it was very clear that she kept wanting to connect and I was putting a wall up. And I literally just sat there, last gathering, second worship set, and I just went, way to go, Steve. You were the one that built the wall. To where this, this lady sees my son, and oh my goodness, he's so cute. And then she's like trying, she's trying to talk with me. And I am like walling it up. Because I'm like, I don't want to be here. Oh, why, why do you keep talking to me? Leave me alone. I didn't say that. But I was thinking it. And literally through a smell and a mask, first gathering, God's like, Steve, you need to practice what you preach. This is going to be this, this, you better do it. Guys, we need to do this, and we need help. We need his truth to drive us, and we need to, to be reminded that we're on mission. Amen? So let's do that as a church. Let me pray.